A magnificent Monday to each of you, and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast on Saturday. Did the Grizzlies give clear proof as to why they should truly be a contender? Plus, when Stephen Adams approves of your accent, it pretty much makes your weekend. That and much more on this edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Here we go. You are Locked On Grizzlies. Your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome one and all to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you're having an outstanding start to your week and you had a great weekend. Obviously, you can find myself at Stats SAC, the show at Locked On Grizz on Twitter. You can find the show also here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button below. Thank you for all the support. Let's us know that you enjoy the show. Let's others find the show makes the show the best it can be. Again, my name is Sean Coleman, credentialed media member with the Grizzlies, have been covering the Grizzlies now for four years over at uh, Grizzly Bear Blues, your host here at Locked On Grizzlies, your Grizzlies every day. Of course, want to remind you also of our title sponsor, title title sponsor, betonline.net, the best place for you to go to wager and bet on sports, whether it's pro and college hoops, the UFC boxing, all those different things you can enjoy wagering and betting on when it comes to betonline.net. And not only Am I your host here at Locked On Grizzlies? But apparently, I am one of Stephen Adams' favorite accents right now in the world. And hey, I'll take it. Just want to say thank you very much for all the kind words and the love from yesterday. Quite, quite 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 a fun day yesterday, obviously, after the interaction with Stephen Adams. Just Adams showing why he's one of the most likable and and just perhaps one of the best personalities, without a doubt, one of the best personalities in the NBA. It was a great exchange, and I I was so happy that we finally got the chance to actually speak with him in the post-game press conference after an outstanding game. We'll talk about his performance in just a second, but just wanted to say it was a, it was an outstanding experience. And again, thank you for all, all the kind words uh, for, from many different outlets yesterday. But of course, the Grizzlies, besides that obviously being a, a wonderful exchange between myself and Stephen Adams, the Grizzlies had a wonderful experience themselves getting a big bounce-back victory on the road against the Chicago Bulls. After their first game back from the All-Star break, the Grizzlies went you know, into Minnesota against the Timberwolves team that is just a tough matchup for the Grizzlies. We've all, we all said it in the few days leading up to the game against the Timberwolves, and it certainly show, showed as to why it was. We could not stop D'Angelo Russell. We could not hit free throws, and John Wren himself did not have his usual outstanding performance due to being injured, but also due to do good defensive schemes from the Timberwolves. So so the Grizzlies come into Saturday night. And to be honest with you, it was going to be another tough matchup because not only, so, so let's back up to Martin Luther King Day. The Grizzlies were able to beat the um, Chicago Bulls rather handedly, uh, I believe about 20 points or so. They were able to keep DeMar DeRozan to 10 of 24 from shooting on Martin Luther King Day. But the thing that stood out there was, was a reason why is there really wasn't anybody else on the Bulls worth, you know, no, I'm not going to say worth, but there wasn't really any other threats on the Bulls that the Grizzlies, you know, really needed to truly focus on that could come anywhere close to the impact DeMar DeRozan can. So the Grizzlies had, because of a lack of weapons around DeMar DeRozan, they really had the ability to hone on trying to prevent him 
from having a big impact on the game. And of course, he went 10 from 24. He did have 24 points, but it was a pretty inefficient night, and he did not take over from the free throw line like he's done a few times in the past against the Grizzlies in recent years. But coming into Saturday night, it was hard to deny that any one player, at least scoring-wise, was playing better than DeMar DeRozan. I believe, what, it was eight straight games in which he had had 35-plus points. He wound up um, going 11 straight games, now with 30-plus points, I believe, breaking the Bulls' record. He He's done it 11 times. The most Michael Jordan ever did it was 10 times. So DeMar DeRozan was once again on an incredible run. But what stood out for the Grizzlies in this game is that they were once again able to make it an inefficient night for DeMar DeRozan, despite the fact that Zach Levine was also someone that was a threat for the Grizzlies. Yes, they did combine for 59 points on the night, but they did not really get going until the fourth quarter. And by that time, the Grizzlies had built a substantial lead that really allowed for them to have wiggle room to be able to operate. And that's where these adjustments were made that I'm talking about. These adjustments that you saw from the Grizzlies from Thursday night when they took on the Timberwolves to Saturday night against the Bulls. The ability to be able to tie up some loose ends and really find some success. What do I mean by that? Well, they were able to make free throws. 21 of 26 from the free throw line. Once again, the Grizzlies in a game that was, <clears throat> I will really say the refs did not have their best night. It wound up with DeRozan actually getting ejected. Both teams were, you know, pretty disappointed with the overall play call of the refs as both Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. As a, fact, as a matter of fact, Desmond Bain himself fouled out of the game. There were just a lot of ticky-tack calls going on. So both teams went to the free throw line, but this time the Grizzlies were able to make 81% of their free throws, 21 of 26, and they were able to do that despite the fact that they once again struggled from three. But go along with the fact that they were able to put some bodies on DeMar DeRozan. We'll discuss that a little bit later on in the show. But they were able to hold DeRozan to 10 to 29 from the field. They were able to shoot the free throws better than they had in quite a while. And the Grizzlies themselves also were once again, they were able to get the possession edge. This time, not necessarily against turnovers, not even against fast breaks. It was through the rebounds. It was through the offensive rebounding, especially from Steven Adams. 21 rebounds, 10 points, five assists, I believe five assists. He's only the third player in Grizzlies history to have 20-plus rebounds and five-plus assists in a game, joining Jonas Valanciunas and back from, I believe, their second year in existence, Otis Thorpe back when the Grizzlies were in Vancouver. But the point that stands out is, is that not only did the Grizzlies hold DeMar DeRozan to an inefficient night. Not only did Memphis make it to where it was a, a, a sound game overall with not a lot of turnovers, they were able to get their own shots, they were able to make free throws, but the Grizzlies were able to once again make the most of in putting the game in their favor, making it to where they were going to win the game through their style of play. This was a game in which three-pointers were not a huge part of the equation. Though the Bulls shot 45% from three, they only made nine on the night. The Grizzlies only made seven. So in a game that was fast-paced, but mostly based on two-point shots, the possession edge is what made the difference. And that's what allowed for the Grizzlies to get the victory was because they were able to get seven extra possessions due to excellent rebounding. So it was adjustments made 
from the Minnesota game. In terms of being able to make the star of the other team have an inefficient night, being able to make free throws, but it was also the Grizzlies once again playing their style of basketball that we know continues to make a difference in the regular season. Again, I know that I've talked plenty about being able to shoot the three. That's what's going to make a huge difference in the playoffs. And the Bulls were able to come back in the fourth quarter because they did limit the Grizzlies to a bit more of half-court offense, and the Grizzlies did struggle. But without a doubt, the reason why the Grizzlies were able to make the most of their opportunity was because of the fact that they made adjustments and they also were able to still impose their own will by getting the possession edge through rebounds, thanks to Stephen Adams and others, and that's what made the difference. But there's also one name that I haven't mentioned, and he's the most important name of all when it comes to the Grizzlies' success. His name is John Morant, and despite everything that we have discussed so far, I'll tell you why his performance on Saturday night is perhaps the biggest reason why the Grizzlies were able to bounce back from a disappointing loss on Thursday to show why there are there really are should be in that contenders conversation moving forward. We'll discuss that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to talk with you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Whether you have it in the morning or in the afternoon as a snack, Built Bar is a great opportunity for you to be able to make your day better. If you go to built.com right now, you put in the promo code LOCKED15, not only will you get 15% off your next order, but you'll also be able to choose from over 18 different flavors that you can enjoy. Make it it a part of your morning or make it a part of your afternoon. Just make it a part of your day and it'll be there to stay. Go to built.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Can't thank you enough for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. But want to remind you of the Locked On Now podcast. So many different things going on as teams are heating up for the playoff race around the NBA. Check out the Locked On Now podcast for all the latest instant reactions from your local experts when it comes to the Locked On NBA podcast network to get their reactions to many important games that are coming up as the NBA is approaching six weeks left in the regular season. That and much more on the Locked On Now podcast after you make Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. So, of course, we could talk about many different things that worked on Saturday night. But the one thing that also stood out was John Morant's 46-point performance. I can tell you all these different details as to why it's great the Grizzlies bounced back from Thursday against Minnesota, as to why the Grizzlies were able to be successful. The small aspects of the game where the Grizzlies were able to create just enough of an advantage to where they were able to beat a very good Bulls team. But at the end of the day, let's not mistake it. It was John Morant going for 46 points. And and just what stands out on on so many levels is just how awesome, how much of a marvel John Morant truly is to come back from the performance that he had in Minnesota overall struggling. The fact that he also got injured in the game, but to go into a game against a better team on paper, the Bulls, then the Timberwolves, John Morant was just absolutely able to take over. Again, 46 points. He did it in the third quarter. He came back and did it in the fourth quarter to seal the victory. He did it to end the second quarter. It was a consistent impact throughout the game. Now, obviously, he has had so much success in the third quarter this year, leading the NBA in points per in, in, in points per 
third quarter. And the reason why is because of great second half second or great halftime adjustments, but also John Morant really finding his groove, really getting into his groove, coming off many strong first halves to finding his lane and getting to the line. Again, John Morant, an historic night on Saturday night. He set the regular season record for most points scored by a Grizzlies player in a single game. Obviously, he holds the franchise record from scoring 47 points against the Jazz back in last year's playoffs. But here's the big key from Jaw's performance, and I shared it on Twitter on Saturday night. Back on December 13th of 2009, Rudy Gay scored 41 points for the Grizzlies. If you go an exact decade later, Jaron Jackson Jr. scored 43 points on 12-13-2019. So an exact decade from 2009 to 2019, the Grizzlies had 40-point performances within an exact decade of each other. Within that decade, including those two 40-point games, the Grizzlies had four 40-point games as a franchise. Again, four 40-point games as a franchise. That's it. That's it. We know that obviously the grit and ground era was built on defense. We know that one thing that was always missing from the Grizzlies was a true superstar. It was more of a collective team effort, not in any way, shape, or form, you know, negatively looking at that era. But they're just simply, obviously, the Grizzlies were one of the teams that were considered the least to have a true go-to scoring threat, even during the grit and ground era. So from 12-13-2009 to 12-13-2019, the Grizzlies had four 40-point games. Fast forward to now. John Morant has five 40-point games in his past 47 games overall. I bring that up because I shared on Twitter, when it comes to the Grizzlies' all-time leading scores in a single game, there's a reason why that list lists John Morant throughout the list. It stands out that John Morant consistently has shown why he's the best scorer in franchise history. And Saturday night showed the extent as to why myself and others truly feel that this team, again, I won't necessarily say they're the best roster in Grizzlies franchise history, but I will say this current roster has more potential than any other going forward than any other roster ever has in Grizzlies franchise history because they have a scoring threat that can take over and can match the scoring the scoring efforts of others. Again, we talk about the fact that on Saturday night, the Grizzlies were able to keep DeMar DeRozan from taking over the game until the fourth quarter. And you just have to tip your cap, right? When it comes to someone who's as talented as DeMar DeRozan, as talented as Zach Levine, and is on as hot of a streak as DeRozan was, at some point, DeRozan is going to catch fire. He is going to figure it out, and he's going to impose his ability to take over a game. But he didn't truly do that until the fourth quarter. And even when he did, the Grizzlies were able to match it with jaw scoring efforts. So the reason why it's so important, the reason why John Morant's scoring ability, the reason why it's so impressive that he already has his name so many times in the Grizzlies' single-game scoring record column in the record books is because the Grizzlies have never had that one true scoring threat 
to add to their ability to weather the storm that comes from other elite scoring threats on the opposition. The Grizzlies were able to build a big enough lead by the time the fourth quarter started. Jaw had his 20-point fourth quarter, and then Levine and DeRozan had solid, or excuse me, John Morant had his 20-point third quarter. The Grizzlies build up a big enough lead. The Bulls come back and dominate the fourth quarter, at least for the first eight to nine minutes of the quarter. But because the Grizzlies already had that lead, thanks to John Morant, they weathered that storm. They were able to make adjustments, and they were able to finally pull ahead uh, once again, thanks to John Morant. So that's why it's so impressive and so important to realize how special John Morant is. Yes, it's great that he's scoring at the way or at the levels that he is. Yes, it's great that he's consistently doing it at different points in the game. But John Morant also is consistently showing that he can perform at, at his best as a scorer against other elite scorers in the NBA. We've seen him do it against LeBron James. We've seen him do it against Devin Booker. Seen him do it against Kevin Durant. Now seen him do it against DeMar DeRozan. The list goes on and on. That's how you put an MVP resume together if you're a player. And again, a player that the Grizzlies have never had to the level that John Morant is. But despite all the history that John Morant creates almost every single game now, when he goes out and gets his 30 or 40 points, the big thing that stands out is that the Grizzlies finally have their own top scorer in the NBA that not only can match what other elite scorers do, but he also consistently has some of his best games when facing other elite scorers. And that is a huge, huge asset to have when it comes to the playoffs. But let's flip the script. The other thing that stood out from Saturday night, and I mentioned it a few times in the first segment, is the fact that the Grizzlies, a big reason why they were able to hold DeMar DeRozan to being less efficient than he usually was, was because they were able to throw different bodies at him. You heard many talk about on Twitter and, and you know in the post game and things like that. Taylor Jenkins um, talked about it. Desmond Bain, despite Desmond Bain's struggles on offense right now, he had one of the best defensive games he's had all season guarding DeMar DeRozan. But it wasn't just him. Kyle's big play at the end. They were able to throw Jaron at times on uh, DeMar DeRozan, throwing DeAnthony Melton at Zach Levine. I've talked about it before last year when the Grizzlies had Justice Winslow, Dylan Brooks, DeAnthony Melton, Kyle Anderson, and others to throw at the opposing team's best scores, you saw the results. Holding Bradley Beal to, I believe, like 12 of 42 over a two-game stretch. Holding Jamal Murray to, I believe, five points and two of 13 from the field. The Grizzlies have one thing that many contenders wish they had come playoff time. They have different capable defensive bodies that they could throw at elite scores that can make it harder for those elite scores to get comfortable and find their rhythm. Because if you throw one defender at an elite score, even if that defender is very, very capable, a lot of times the elite score is still going to have success because they're going to make adjustments from seeing the same body, same coverage coming at them if they're just guarded by one guy. But if you have the Grizzlies throwing different coverages at these elite scores, and especially when Dylan gets back, you throw Dylan, you throw Zaire, you throw Desmond Bain, you throw Kyle Anderson, sometimes Jaron Jackson Jr., sometimes DeAnthony Melton. That's four, five, six different looks. The tenacity of Brooks, the physicality of, of Desmond Bain, the length of Zaire Williams and Jaron Jackson Jr., the intelligence of Kyle Anderson. 
You're throwing different skill sets and different bodies at these elite defenders, and it makes them not necessarily uncomfortable, but it makes it harder to adjust, so it leads to inefficient nights. It leads to opportunities where you actually prefer for those elite scores to have high shot counts because of the fact that they're going to have low field goal percentages. And at the end of the day, due to your defensive coverages, them taking the shot was actually a lower percentage outcome on that offensive possession. And that's what leads to wins. So a couple of things besides the Grizzlies shooting free throws, besides them getting the possession edge when it comes to the playoffs, John Moran on offense, being able to match the scoring output of anybody else in the NBA when he when it's when it's necessary, but also this Grizzlies team, though they're still likely going to give up points to elite scores, that just naturally happens. If they can make those elite scores have inefficient nights due to being able to throw different bodies and different coverages at those scores, it can make all the difference in the world as it did on Saturday night. But the other thing that stands out is, is that even after that win over the Bulls, the Grizzlies have a tough matchup once again, welcoming the San Antonio Spurs, obviously, to the FedEx Forum for the Grizzlies' first game of the second half of the season. And while it will be interesting to see who might be available for the Spurs, and though the Grizzlies do stand out as being the better team on paper, this is a very, very, very Good Spurs team steal, and we'll see what the Grizzlies need to do in order to beat them in just a moment. But before we do, I want to talk with you a bit about, again, BetOnline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all your sports action. Excuse me, BetOnline.net. The great thing about BetOnline.net is whether you're betting on pro and college sports, you're betting on UFC, you're betting on boxing, what have you, BetOnline.net is the best place for you to go because it's fast, it's simple, and easy. Whether you want to go to your uh, laptop or go to the mobile site, Go to betterline.now. Make sure you check out all the great odds. I just recently did an episode in which I talked about many Grizzlies having great odds to potentially be in the running for individual awards. It's so in-depth at betonline.net that if you're someone that enjoys wagering and betting on sports, I will be very, very confident in saying that you will find something that you enjoy wagering and betting on. Check out betonline.net today. Can't thank you enough once again for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. But beyond that, make sure you check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd. Obviously, so many things going on. Injuries, new opportunities, the buyout market, what have you. Josh Lloyd will keep you up to date on the latest names that could really help out your fantasy basketball playoff run. Check out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast as your second listen of the day after you make Locked On Grizzlies your first listen. So the Grizzlies are going to welcome the San Antonio Spurs to the FedEx Forum on uh, Monday night. And the thing that stands out about the about the Spurs is that, yes, on paper, the Grizzlies look like the significantly better team. And that certainly is true. But the one thing that stands out about the Spurs and the Grizzlies is that there's a lot of similarities between both teams. And that starts with former All-Star teammates John Morant and DeJounte Murray. That is correct. John Morant and DeJounte Murray both experienced their first All-Star Game selections together, and they did it as teammates. But you don't have to go back too far. You don't have to go back too far at all to see why they both were All-Stars. Go back to when the Grizzlies beat the Spurs in a closely contested matchup on January 26th. John Moran took a 40-point performance that night, 41 points for him. DeJounte Murray, a triple-double in helping the Spurs stay close, though the Grizzlies got the victory. 
Fast forward to the last game both players played. John Morant, 46 points, all of which was needed to help the Grizzlies get a big win. DeJounte Murray, a 31-point triple-double in a two-overtime victory against the Washington Wizards. Every bit of it was needed to get a victory. But here's what stands out about the Spurs. Even with DeJounte Murray doing what he did in their first game after the All-Star break, they set out many of their best talents the next night against Miami, and yet they still scored 129 points. The Spurs right now, in their first two games after the All-Star break, are finding it incredibly easy to be able to get into the lane and hit two-point shots, and they were able to then support that on Saturday night, even though it was a close loss, they were able to support that on Saturday night by making 14 threes. These are two teams that don't typically use the three-point line as a way for them to find success. They also struggle from the free-throw line, both teams. But they are two teams that can do a very good job of finding ways to get into the lane and converting looks, and it starts by being led by their all-star point guards. But where the Grizzlies can really stand out is just on pure talent. And the other thing to where they can really stand out, despite Jakob Pertl being a very, very good big man himself, the Grizzlies have multiple big men that can really step up. You've got Steven Adams, who tonight should be able to once again find his success on the boards. And how important, how important was how awesome of a first quarter Steven Adams had on Monday or on Saturday night, 11 first quarter rebounds. He established early on that the Grizzlies were going to win the possession edge, and that's how the Grizzlies were able to get their big lead, and they were able to keep it despite some waves of coming back from the Bulls throughout the game. So an early, early dominant rebounding effort from Steven Adams tonight, like he had on Saturday night, will go a huge way for the Grizzlies to be able to establish the tone early make it to where they have the possession edge, they're able to get into control, and they're able to play free and loose. And they put all the pressure on San Antonio to figure out how to find their shots from inside the arc. But that's the thing. You have a lot of similarities between both teams, led by how productive their all-star point guards are. But in this game, it's simply an opportunity for the Grizzlies to show they're just better at the similar things both of these teams do. The thing that stands out is the Grizzlies' ability to be able to rebound. Though the Grizzlies nor the Spurs really turn the ball over, the Grizzlies do have, I believe, a better opportunity to turn defense into offense. And just in general, it's the Grizzlies' overall confidence to be able to get into the lane and make plays. And even if the Spurs do put an emphasis on trying to stop John Morant, the Grizzlies are going to have an opportunity with their size advantage for Morant to be able to find dish-offs to Steven Adams, dish-offs to Jaron Jackson Jr., lobs to Brandon Clark. If the Grizzlies can simply play to their abilities, despite the fact that the Spurs are a very very similar setup team when it comes to sources of success, the Grizzlies should be able to get the job done. Now, another thing that really stands out, though, as an opportunity tonight is for the Grizzlies to figure out how to get their shooting going once again. Again, I understand that on Saturday night, the Grizzlies were able to show a formula that could lead to them winning even in the playoffs, despite them not being able to shoot the three wheel. But at the end of the day, this team is very capable of shooting the three. They need to get some games of shooting the three wheel under their belt. And tonight is a good opportunity to do exactly that. 
whether it be DeAnthony Melton, whether it be Zaire Williams hitting a few corner threes to start the game, Jaron Bain obviously getting going. That's the thing that stands out over the first two games for the Grizzlies is, yes, they're one and one. Yes, they've been impressive at times. And John Moran scoring 46 points was incredible. But it'd be nice if the three-point shooting can get going. And this is a great opportunity for Desmond Bain to really find his groove once again before the Grizzlies get into a tough matchup with a very good defensive team in the Celtics on Wednesday. I'm not saying the Grizzlies should look past the Spurs. They should not at all. If they do that, they're going to find themselves in a very tough game. But my point is, is that if the Grizzlies can take the opportunity tonight to earn those trips to the free throw line, earn those paint points like they usually do, but then put a big emphasis on working off of that to focus on finding high percentage looks from three. And the big thing is converting them. That should allow for them to be able to have success. It should be it should allow for them to be able to take control of this game against the Spurs early and often. But despite all that offensive success, defense is going to be huge as well. I do think that the Grizzlies' paint defense is going to make it to where the Spurs are going to have a bit harder time operating and succeeding in this game than they had against the Heat and also against the um, Wizards in their first two games back from the All-Star break. So great interior defense. The Grizzlies just simply need to be the more productive, pe- productive team in the paint on both ends. Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Brandon Clark, that trio's defensive efforts, that's going to be a big part of tonight's game as well. So playing paint defense, playing productive paint offense, but working off of that to find high percentage looks from three, that's going to be the key tonight for the Grizzlies. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope everybody gets to enjoy it. The matchup of Murray and uh, Morant, you know, holding off any injury potentially that could linger for Murray, but seeing those two play each other. But again, the big key for the Grizzlies is using their size on both ends of the court and finding success shooting the three. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. You can check my stuff out at StatsSAC on Twitter, the show at Locked on Grizz right here on YouTube as well. Hit that subscribe button below. Until next time, we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.